0: Amen. We'll be continuing our series in Genesis this morning, entitled Origins. We'll be in Genesis chapter 27, if those of you that are here would rise for the reading of God's Word this morning. Genesis chapter 27, we'll be starting in verse 1. God will be preaching on the entirety of this chapter. I will just be reading the first four verses. And the Word of the Lord says this, When Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, my son. And he answered, here I am. He said, behold, I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now then take your weapons, your quiver and your bow and go out to the field and hunt for game and prepare for me delicious food such as I love and bring it to me so that I may eat that my soul may bless you before I die. May we be blessed by the reading of God's word this morning. You may be seated. Well, we are here in Genesis chapter 27 again this morning. Um, so please, as Jared said, turn your Bibles there. But just uh, before we get there, just a few announcements this morning um, to keep you up to speed on what is happening in the life of the church. As Jared said, if you are a guest, we're grateful that you are here with us this morning. And to all the members, uh, thanks again for tuning in and being here with us. Uh, just three announcements really this morning too. Uh, more important uh, ones to key in on. But the first one is on September the 26th uh, at about 7.30, 7.45, depending on the sunset, we will do another movie night in the parking lot. So you'll drive in and you'll have, uh, just tune into your uh, radio. We will be doing Dennis the Menace. So please join us, invite your friends and family to, to be with us. That's uh, Saturday, uh, September the 26th. Uh, the next two are important uh, as well. Uh, we just want to, we had a deacons meeting this morning, and we pray, we continue to pray, and we meet every couple weeks to talk about um, what what God has for us at the church, and just trying to uh, navigate through this pandemic, and we just want you to know that we will open up the building on Wednesday evening for our Wednesday evening services, uh, so please join us um, at 6 o'clock. Uh, let some of the um, people that you may know that aren't joining in, to let them know that the building will be open at six o'clock for our um, Sunday night prayer and Bible study. Um, and lastly, we also want you to know that on Sunday mornings, <clears throat> because of the social distancing, because of how many people are coming, we want everyone to know that masks are not mandatory. Mandatory as they have been, they are optional as we uh, continue to keep our space. So uh, those three announcements. Uh, you'll see more of those in an email coming out and uh, on our Facebook. But Again, movie night on the 26th, Wednesday night services will be open, and then masks on Sunday morning will uh, be optional. All those two things, with the Wednesday evening service and the Sunday morning uh, mass that, that all will kind of depend on the numbers and what's happening, and so we'll continue to keep you up to speed. And one last one is the deacons that I met will continue to talk, are talking about, and we'll be talking about what we'll do for the children in the upcoming weeks. So uh, just keep um, looking out for emails and look online and we'll keep you up to speed all that God is doing and all that we feel like God is saying to us uh, here at the church. Again, I just want to say this again. Um, We are grateful for the means to meet and gather online, but that's not the means that God ever uh, desired for His people. And so we want to encourage you if you're able and willing to come on Sunday mornings to join us on Sunday mornings. Um, Please don't just stay at home out of convenience and comfort, but come join us if you're able to and feel comfortable on Sunday morning. So um, with that, let me pray for us and then we'll jump into Genesis chapter uh, 27 this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, you are gracious and kind to us. And we continue to seek your face and your favor on this church and all the churches uh, around Uh, the world, really, God, as we uh, continue to navigate how to gather as your people to be safe, but how to worship you, how to fellowship with one another, how to be encouraged by your word and therefore encourage one another. So lead us and guide us, I pray. Help us even this morning as we are both here at the building and in our homes, that you would open our minds and our hearts and our ears to your divine word. And that this word you promise us never comes to that void. And so I plead with you for that on behalf of myself and your people this morning. That you would send out your word into our hearts and it would be a seed that would grow and be nourished and grow into uh, many, many things in our lives that would bring us what your word says, a transformation, sanctification, that your word would make us holy because you are holy. So lead us, guide us as we look at Genesis chapter 27 this morning. Thank You for the opportunity to be here and to be online with Your people. So lead us again. We pray this in Christ's mighty name. Amen. you have your Bibles, like Jared said, like we've said, go to Genesis chapter 27. I will not read the passage in its entirety. It's a long, lengthy passage. Uh, We'll actually get into Genesis chapter 28, the first five verses. So my goal this morning is to cover about 50 verses uh, in the next 30 to 40 minutes. Um, if I don't get there, I'll pause wherever we're at and pick up next week. But the, the goal is to get through this passage. This is a very familiar passage to most of us. If you've been in the church, you've read or heard about this moment. This is the moment in the story of Jacob and Esau where Jacob robs Esau of his blessing from, um, from his father, from Isaac. And so we're going to look at that. We're going to look at what God would have for us in this um, story. But just as a recap, where we've been over the last few weeks to catch you up to speed. Uh, Chapter 24, this is where Abraham is about to die and Sarah has already died. And so Abraham goes and finds Isaac a wife and sends his servant back to his homeland to to find a wife for Isaac. A a person of uh, the family, if you will. God's chosen race, the the Israelites, to be a bride for Isaac. And the servant wanders onto the well and sees Rebekah sitting at the well and her heart is very generous and kind to the servant, feeds him, feeds the camels, invites the servant back to her house. uh, And that's where the servant realizes this is who Isaac is to marry and asks the uh, father of Rebekah for her hand. They want to kind of keep her around, and Rebecca kind of interrupts and says, No, I will go, and I'll go now. And we see this is a match, a perfect match from heaven that God had intended to put Isaac and Rebecca together. Then in chapter 25, the death of Abraham happens. Uh, Sarah, uh, Rebecca, and Isaac are married. Uh, they're trying to have children. Rebecca is barren. She can have no children. And then we see. Rebecca cry out to the Lord that she would that God would open her womb to have children. We see the cry of Isaac's heart that God would open her womb, and God answers that prayer in a miraculous way. And so much so that He answers the prayer and gives them twins. And in that moment of having twins, in the passage in chapter twenty-five, it says there's this struggle that's going on internally in the the womb of. Rebecca and Rebecca is in angst over that and she cries out to the Lord like is this really the way it was supposed to be isn't it supposed to be easier and and God answers her and in answering her he says to her this promise it's not a very um it's not one of those promises you want to hear but the promise is you you have two nations in you you have two nations that are at war inside of you, are always going to be a conflict. And the conflict will be the older will serve the younger. That the the younger one will be the child of the promise. As we've been looking in the passage, that God in Genesis chapter 3 said that there's going to be a seed that's going to come through the woman that's going to come all the way to Christ Jesus to save the world. And by uh, generation to generation, that seed, that promised seed is passed on. And Here again, we see the promised seed will come through the younger brother. That's so important for us to know this morning that before these two children were born, God had told Isaac and had told Rebekah that the younger would be over the older brother. And then in chapter 25, the the boys grow up. They're they're always at tension with one another. And Jacob deceives his older brother Esau. He deceives him. He comes in. Esau comes in off the field. He's hungry. He's thinking he's going to die. And so Jacob says to Esau, hey, if you sell me your birthright, I'll give you some food. And in that moment, Esau uh, sells his birthright to Jacob. And then last week, we looked at chapter 26. This is where God promises Isaac again, the promise that he gave to his father, the promise that he gave to his great his his grandfather, that God would bless them and use them. And then later on in the chapter, there's this famine that comes onto that land, and Jacob runs for his life and runs for safety. And just like his dad, he lies or Jake that Isaac lies about who his Wife is. Jacob does the same thing. Lies about Rebecca being his sister. And God redeems that. And now we see here in this passage, uh, verse chapter 27, what God is going to do and how God will redeem all things. There is one little part in chapter 26 where it says, it's a, a two verses, it talks about Esau going and marrying foreign women. That, that may seem out of context, but we're going to come back to that this morning. Why would God in chapter 26 with two verses mention that Esau went and married foreign women? It's so important for us. These All these chapters are leading us to this place. But I want to look at something this morning. Because what we're going to see here is a bunch of failures in this passage. We'll see that Isaac fails, that Rebekah fails, that Jacob fails, that Esau fails, and then the family as a whole fails. And so we can just stop and think, man, this whole chapter is about failure. And not see the redemptive work in failure, but I want to submit to you this line this morning. God will use human failure to accomplish His, His promise promises to redeem His people. That God will use failure in our lives to accomplish His purposes. And His purpose is to redeem People to himself, and so with that in mind, I want to jump into this text this morning. I won't read the text; I'll kind of story through through the text. But the first failure that we see, we see Isaac's failure in chapter twenty-seven, verses one through four. It says this: that Isaac was an old man; that his eyes were going dim; that he was being blind; that he could not see. And in that moment of not being able to see, growing older, Isaac calls out to his oldest son, Esau. And as you know, through the previous chapters, Esau was a man of the land. He was a hunter. He was a gatherer. And he, uh, it says in other parts of the chapters that we read that he was a great cook. And so Isaac wants the food of his older son, Esau, and appeals to his son, Um, and says to his son, hey, bring me the best of the best. Cook it for me so that I can give you a blessing. Now on the surface, that sounds great. That he would come off the field with a meal, give it to the father, and the father would give him his blessing. But where did Isaac fail? Isaac failed because, and you will see this over and over, the failure begins back in chapter 25 where it says that Isaac, loved Esau and that Rebekah loved Jacob, that the house was already being divided, that there was favoritism happening in the house, that there was something about Esau that Isaac loved more than Jacob. And so he says and he appeals to Jacob or to Esau and says, "Hey, bring me your, the best of the best because I still want to give you this blessing. I want to give you your birthright, so to speak." Well what was the failure of Isaac? Isaac knew from before they were born, who was going to receive both the blessing and the birthright. That God had said that to both Rebekah and to uh, him, Isaac. Isaac and Rebekah would have known that, that they were deceived and that Jacob stole both the blessing and the birthright from Esau. But there was something in the heart of Isaac that wanted to make sure that God's will didn't happen that he wanted his will over God's will. If Isaac only had have submitted to God's word back in Genesis chapter 26, we wouldn't have the problem here in Genesis chapter 27. If Isaac had not have failed in thinking that he could thwart God's will with his own will, then the rest of the passage would have stopped. And I want to ask you this question this morning, how often do we try to push aside God's will for our will? That that God has said something to us and we don't really like God's will that He's placed on us. That's what's happened with Isaac. Isaac is not keen on the idea that the younger will serve the older. So he thinks if I can just push God's will aside, then my will can happen. If I just give the blessing to the older son, I can change God's plan I can change God's will we can never change God's will as we will see Isaac would have known just as just a side note as I said in verses 34 through 35 of 26 Isaac would have known that the seed wouldn't come through uh, through um, Esau because of marrying foreign women So Isaac would have known, hey, there's no way the promised seed could come through Esau. But he wanted to make sure that his will was accomplished and not God's will. Again, how often do we push God's will aside for our own will? I'm guilty of that. I hope you would be honest and say there's places in your life that you are guilty of that as well. But again, the hope will come, the promise will come that God's promises, no matter how much we try, we can thwart the promises and the will of God. The second place that we see or the second failure that we see is Rebekah's failure. As I mentioned before, that Rebekah loved Jacob more than she loved Esau. There was a divided home. And so here's Rebekah listening intently to Isaac talking to Esau and she devises a plan. Her plan is, hey, I will make sure that that blessing doesn't get passed on to Esau, but that blessing will get passed on to to you, Jacob. But remember what the plan was from the beginning. That God would be the one to make sure that Jacob got the birthright and the blessing. But in her wickedness, in her failure, she didn't fully trust that God would do what God had promised. That she thought she would have to play into God's hand to make sure God's will happened, And so she says to Jacob, hey, this is our plan. You're, you're going to go into the field. You're going to take two young goats. You're going to bring them in. I, I've watched your older brother. I know how he cooks. I'll cook your dad a meal so much so that he's going to be deceived to think it's from your brother. And Jacob in that moment says, well, that sounds like a great plan, but what happens if my dad realizes I'm not Esau? Remember that Jacob and Esau were vastly two different men, that one was a man of the land and one was a man of the house and that that Jacob uh, had smooth skin and Esau had rough skin. He was a hairy man and that Jacob was not a hairy man. Their voices would have been different. Everything about these two young men would have been different. And so he begins to panic like that's a great plan, but what if we get caught? And Rebecca says, you won't get caught. And if you get, do get caught, it will be on me. And so she devises the plan. I'll make the food. You go kill a goat. Put that goat skin on you. And then go get some garments of your brother so that you feel and smell like your older brother. And so Jacob, being the obedient favorite son, obeys his mom. And I wonder for us as a way of application, How often do we come up with plans knowing what the will of God is, but are too fearful to let God's will play out the way God wants it to play out? Yes, we want the will of God, but we want to make sure the will of God happens so we take things into our own hands. Right, remember, Rebecca was the one that she heard first from God that that Jacob would reign over all the people and he would be the seed of the promise. And so something in Rebecca thought, "I've I've got to make sure this happens. I can't fully trust God's going to do it. And she sees a part in the plan that she can assert her power and her deception to make sure God's will happens. Again, as a way of application this morning, where have you and where have I deceived or manipulated my way to make sure God's will happens in my life? unlike Jacob, I don't want God's will to happen. Here we see that she wants God's will to happen, but she's going to take God's will into her own hands. That is utter failure. They're they're both a failure of believing God to be true about His Word and His promises. And next we see Jacob's failure. Now in Jacob's failure, it really looks like Success, does it not? Because here Jacob is. He hears from his mom in verse 18. He says to, he hears from his mom. He goes and does what his mom says. And then in 18, it says that he went into his father with the food. And the dad said, Where are you and who are you? What looks to happen at the very end is that Isaac does give the blessing to. Jacob, he receives the blessing. But it comes through manipulation, but the world would say it was through success. So we see here that Jacob takes part in the deceptive plan of his mom, prepares the meal for his dad, and then we see two places of utter failure for Jacob. The first we see is that he lies about who he is. He walks into the room. The dad is keenly aware that he must not be his oldest son. He asks him, who are you? And then Jacob says to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Now sit up and eat of my game that your soul may bless me. I want the blessing. I want the blessing. I want the blessing. And Isaac, even though he's an old man, he can't see very well. He's being manipulated, he's being deceived, says something in his gut is checked and he says to his son, how did you make this happen so quickly? And what does Jacob say in response to that? It's found in verse 20. How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? Have you hunted this game so quickly? Have you prepared it so quickly? Have you brought it to me so quickly? And Jacob answers Isaac and says, because the Lord your God granted me success. So he fails about who he is. He lies about who he is. And then he lies about who gave it to him. Now that's a very bold, crazy man to say boldly that God granted him success when clearly God had not granted him success. He blasphemed the name of the Lord in that passage. And Then we see in that moment that Isaac sits up, he eats quickly, and then he blesses Jacob. He gives him the blessing. There's a three-fold blessing that happens to Jacob through his deception. The first one is this in verse 28. It goes back to Abraham. That God would bless the land or give him a promised land. The next one is that he'd have political power or reign over people. The promise of political power. Verse 29. And the last one is the promise of pers- protection. The same promise that was given to Abraham, that was given to Isaac, is now given to Jacob. The promise of the land, the promise of position, and the promise of protection. Now in all of these, it seems to be that God is nowhere to be found but we see that the blessing happens to Jacob. That there seems to be success through his manipulation. Now there is. But we're going to see in the passage it comes with a great, great cost for this young man. But again, I'd ask you this in a way of application. Where in your life and in my life have I seen success through my deception? You see, Jacob would have thought he was successful that day because he got what he wanted. He got the blessing from Jacob, but it came through deception. And I wonder in your life and in my life how often we do things and manipulate things and find success and then say it's because of God. The last two things are this. We see now Esau's failure. seems like Esau would be just a poor bystander, a victim to the crime, if you will. And so it says that as soon as the blessing was given to, to Jacob, that Esau, Jacob walks out of the tent and Esau comes running in with all that he'd prepared for his father. He'd prepared the meal, he'd brought the meal to the father hoping for a blessing, begging for the blessing. And in that moment, it says in the text that Isaac understood that he had been cheated. And there's this violent cry, it says in the text, that came out of Isaac knowing that he had been cheated. And so in that moment that Isaac cries, it says that Esau realized what had happened. He'd been manipulated again by his younger brother few years before, he'd been manipulated by his brother to sell his birthright. Now he's been manipulated by his brother to get the blessing of the eldest son that he would get from the father ripped off from him. And there's this discussion that happens between these two men in that tent. And basically Isaac says to Esau, there's nothing I can do. I've made the promise. The promise is the promise. I can't go back on my promise. And Esau keeps begging his dad, Give me a blessing. Give me a blessing. And so, Jacob, or excuse me, so Isaac gives the blessing to Esau. Now, it's a negative blessing, it's the exact opposite blessing that he had just given to Jacob. He says to the son in verses 39 and 40. You won't inherit a land. You'll be a sojourner. And all of your descendants will sojourn. You will have no homeland. You will have no promised land. He then says to him, and you'll have no political power. You will always serve the younger brother. And He says, and you'll never have ultimate protection. You'll have to live by the sword to protect yourself. So you see the two blessings, and yet one is a positive blessing and one is a negative blessing. But now we see Esau's failure. Esau hears this and becomes irate, it says in verse 41. And Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are approaching. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. He was so livid that he was going to take things into his own hands. Because he knew if he could go and kill Jacob, then who would receive both the birthright and the blessing again? It would have to go from the younger back to the older. And so Esau said to himself, hey, I am going to make sure that these two things happen in my life. I am going to manipulate. I am not going to trust that God made a promise that I would have to give up both my blessing and both my birthright to my younger brother. He realizes what the Lord had done And that God was in control, but then he realizes he had the power to take things into his own hand through deceptive means. And I wonder for us how often we do harmful things to people to get our will done, our way accomplished. That we wouldn't trust the Lord and so then we harm people. We have vengeance for people. That's what was going on in the heart of Esau. Now the story doesn't stop there with hating his brother. It doesn't stop there. It seems like, oh, now everything's okay. Jacob has the blessing. Jacob's going to have both the birthright and the blessing, and Esau's just going to have to deal with it. But again, we see the mom intervene again. Rebecca overhears that and sees the angst between Esau towards Jacob and says to Jacob, "Hey, you're going to need to flee for your life. You're going to need to get out of here. You're going to need to leave the promised land. You're going to need to leave me. You're going to need to leave your father. You're going to need to leave all this to protect the blessing that you just received." Again, she's not trusting in the promises of the Lord. So her best idea is to bust up the family. The family failure is what we see in this last piece of the passage. We see that through several different ways. It's easy to think that God in all of this deception is nowhere to be found, that God isn't going to bring consequences to this, and that God is just going to idly sit by and watch it happen. But there's always consequences for our sin always consequences for our sin the consequence that we see here is that this family that remember back in chapter 24 was a match made in heaven that God had ordained Jacob to be with Rebecca that God had blessed her womb and that gave her children and favoritism sets in and from that moment on when favoritism sets in The family is disrupted. Now there's going to be consequences for the disruption. We don't see this explicitly in this text, but we know this, that Jacob does leave. He is sent to his uncle Laban and he finds a wife. But what we know is this, that from that day when he wandered off from that promised land, from his mom and dad's tent, he never saw his mother again and there's no more mention of rebecca from this moment on that jacob the beloved son of rebecca that rebecca would never see her son and that her son would never see his mother because of this sin of deception there were consequences to be had not only that but we see this that jacob wouldn't see his father for almost 20 years And we know this, that Esau and Jacob from this moment on would always have conflict. That there would be no brotherly love to ever exist in that home. There would be no repair. We see in this moment in chapter 27, a family busted up because of deception. And so for us, it's easy to sit back and look at all of these failures. Isaac's failure, Rebecca's failure, Jacob's failure, Esau's failure, the failure of a home, and think that God can't redeem any of it. But remember, God made a promise. And the promise would be that there would be a seed that would come and redeem people. And we see that God is going to do this through human failure. You see, it would take this human failure to send what? Jacob off to a foreign land to grab Rachel. Not to marry in a foreign land, but in the place of the promise. The same place that his father had found a wife. Now, Jacob will find that bride in that same place to preserve the the purity of God's chosen people. God is always in control. Even when there's failure, God will use... Failure to bring about His promises. Probably the clearest picture of this, that God brings about His promises through human failure is through Christ Jesus Himself. Because the backdrop of the story of Christ is full of human failure. You remember how Christ's life began. It began because Herod was a wicked, wicked man that wanted all the babies two and under to die because he didn't want there to be this prince to rise up. And so he wanted to have all the male children killed, which forced what? Mary and Joseph to go down to Bethlehem to fulfill the promise that was made in the Old Testament. But it happened through man's failure. We then see the hatred of the Pharisees of Jesus that wanted to kill Him. It wasn't the love of the Pharisees. It was the hatred of the Pharisees. These men's failures to really love God with all their heart, mind, and soul. Next, we see the greed of Judas. Human failure. Betray Jesus. But again, that was to fulfill the promises that were made in the Old Testament. Then again, we see the Pharisees lie and give false report about who Jesus was and what Jesus had done and then we see that the lack of courage in Pontius Pilate to stand up for what he believed to be true about Jesus and hands Jesus over to the people and the people we see their hatred that led to Jesus ultimately being crucified but all those places in Jesus' life had to happen so that the crucifixion for man would happen, so that the promise that Jesus that God made to us in Genesis chapter 3 would be fulfilled. That Jesus would triumph over sin. But God used human failure to accomplish His purposes. Now God could choose any way He wanted. And will choose any way He wants. But there's nothing outside of the sovereignty of God. Even our failure. And so the hope for us this morning is this. If you have failed this morning, this does not make you a failure. We must repent of those things. And we also can hold God to this. That there's nothing in your life, there's nothing in my life, no amount of all those things that we see in the failure of Jacob and we see of Esau and we see of Rebekah and we see of Isaac, all of their manipulation, God used to bring about His sovereign plan. And God can and will use our failures to bring about His sovereign plan. And so if that's you this morning, and you would say to yourself, all those places, i manipulated, and I'm this, and I'm that, know that God can and will use that for His glory and for your good. There's one thing that we must do. It's a place that we don't see in this passage, but we know to be true in other parts of Scripture that these that Jacob came to a place of true repentance. He repented of manipulating God's will. We know that to be true of Isaac as well. Not so much of Esau. We're not sure about Rebekah, but we do know the two patriarchs Isaac and And Jacob repented of their manipulation and God used it to bring salvation to the world. So if that's you this morning, know this, that there's nothing that you can do to thwart God's plan. And God will use your failure through your repentance to accomplish His goal. God uses human failure. I'm so grateful for that. I looked at in my own life. You know, just yesterday, I was at my house and got a phone call from Mike who he was here cleaning the building. And a young man was walking. He had just been kicked out of a home. and was walking the street and came up to the church and asked for some water. And we had no bottles of water here, so Mike called over to the parsonage. And by God's grace, I had two Gatorades. I came over with two Gatorades and met his name is Wes, be praying for Wes, and I had just about 15 minutes to talk to Wes. And I noticed some things about Wes that um, were were obvious to me at least. I could tell he was a man that struggled with addiction. So I just sat and talked to him and I was able to share my own story about addiction. And it was in that moment of sharing my addiction story, my failures with this young man that He began to cry and saw that God had something in even our 10 minute conversation. Now, I don't say that about me, I just say I'm in my failures. God used my failures to connect with a man that was walking down the street. You see, Paul says God wants to use our failures to bring about his good and his glory. We must lead with our weakness. Because it's when we're weak we can really identify with people. And that is what God wants to use in our life. He doesn't want people to have it all together. We can't get it all together. It's God Himself who puts us back together because we're fallen, broken people. And it's when we embrace our brokenness and we embrace our failures and we submit ourselves to the Lord that the Lord puts us together and then we'll use our failures to speak into the lives of other people who might be exactly where you have been. I have so many conversations throughout the week because of my job. Whether it's through having an affair to getting a divorce, to all these places of brokenness. But when those men and those women realize that God has a purpose and a plan for their life and they confess those things to them, they receive repentance, then they use their broken stories to go and share with other broken people. And so this morning, I'd submit to you, all of us are broken people. We know that because of the cross of Jesus Christ. And God will use your brokenness to redeem people. But will we allow God to use our brokenness to redeem people? Let me pray for us this morning. God, You use human failure to accomplish Your purposes. I'm grateful for that in my life. Even yesterday, God, it's with great humility, I would say thank You for allowing me to go through addiction just to connect with Wes. God, I do pray for Wes even today, wherever he is, wherever that journey took him yesterday that God, You would send more people into His life to speak to Him about Your saving work. I pray for all that for us in this room and online, God. That You would use our failures to bring Your redemptive work to fruition. Again, I'm grateful for stories like this in Your Holy Word that show us even the patriarchs of our faith didn't have it all together. But You used them mightily. May You do so in our life as well. I pray this in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you for the benediction this morning. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope, grace, and peace be with you this morning. Again, we'll have a movie night on the 26th here in the parking lot. Uh, Wednesday night, church services are open. And uh, lastly, uh, feel free when you come uh, on Sunday mornings, make it to your seats with your mask, but don't feel like you have to wear your mask. Um, We'll do everything we can to continue social distancing and protect you, Um, but we also want people to come and gather Uh, to hear God's Word and to fellowship with one another. Grace and peace be with you today.